Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. In trouble and sacked. Riley Mills with the sack at the 42-yard line. Oh. And it's intercepted. Picked off middle of the field. Kaiser. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Driven back into the backfield after no game. Jalen Sneed. Ball, hit. Ball comes out. Notre Dame's got it. Howard Cross knocked the ball out. From Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. They won't make it. They get stopped. No chance. Joshua Burnham was there to meet him and throw him for a loss. Morris in trouble and sacked. That is RJ Open. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960. WSBT, Darren Pritchett with you, and this is our Notre Dame football week in review. And there was some news surrounding brand new Fighting Irish starting quarterback, Riley Leonard. With the scoop, Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Physical showed up at Notre Dame, as everybody does, and he did have surgery roughly two weeks ago, which is when the semester started. And it was on the ankle that he hurt in the September 30th game at Duke against, ironically, Notre Dame. He got sacked by Howard Cross the third late in that game. He left the field on crutches after coming out of the game at that point. Um, and then that was an ankle injury that he he would re-aggravate a couple weeks later against Flor- or Florida State. Yes. He missed um, – they had a bye week right after. So on October 7th, they had a bye week. They played NC State on the 14th. He played in that game. Ring injured the ankle October 21st at Florida State in a loss in which they were very competitive in that game until that point. And then he suffered a turf toe injury the following week against Louisville, and that was the end of him. He was out for the rest of the season. But the surgery, which we know to be minor surgery was done on the ankle that he hurt against Notre Dame. It was the same ankle. It wasn't a new injury. It was going back to address the damage that was done. How common is this? Really common for players walking in the door at Notre Dame, especially high school recruits. Um, They will have the surgery at Notre Dame either because they've been playing with an injury and it hasn't been properly diagnosed or they want to wait and have the Notre Dame doctors do it so that they're there for the support and the rehab and all that stuff. Uh, Jack Kaiser comes to mind. Um, Dalen Hayes, you know, uh, Adon Schuler, just this last year's freshman safety. So there's a lot of guys that this happens to. So this isn't particularly uncommon. 
What I was told, and I think it's from a very good source, is that the expectation is that Riley Leonard would be participating in spring practice and that he'd be 100% for that. So we'll see. I mean, with surgery, with anything, I mean, you could trip walking off a curb. You can, you can fall, miss a stair coming down from one of your classes and hurt your ankle. So, that happened to an Irish quarterback that's before right. the spring game. That's right. So <laughs> so that could happen. But that is absolutely the expectation is that he'll be ready to go for spring. You would have to imagine he had the physical with the Notre Dame doctors. They probably saw things weren't 100% healed. Yeah. They might have done some things trying to help the ankle. And after a couple of weeks, they probably decided we got to take care of this. That's what I'm assuming probably happened. Well, the great news is we will be talking to Riley Leonard in less than 48 hours, and we can have him spill the tea about everything. Uh, so I am looking forward to that. That'll be his first media availability since he's been a Notre Dame football player. Okay, so right now he's not going to be working out with teammates and in individual drills. What do you think he misses right now with this surgery between the surgery and when spring practice begins? And again, your sources tell you he'll be ready for that, barring yeah. just some hiccup along the way. Yeah, I hate I hate to speculate too much, but just let's talk about this more generically. With players that have had leg injuries in the past, they've been able to do the upper body stuff, mm-hmm. and sometimes some lower body, just depending on um, what happens. Uh, there, you know, people talk about this being the telescope surgery. Um, Chase Claypool had it one summer when I interviewed him for our old summer magazine at the South Bend Tribune, and he was back pretty quick. He came in on one of those scooters where you got your (laughs) knee bent and stuff. I go, wow. He was having fun with that, but uh, he was back to normal pretty quickly. But I remember his routine was he could do some lower body lifts, um, absolutely all the upper body stuff. You know, would you really want the guy just stationary throwing to teammates on the side? Again, there, I don't know that's hugely important right yeah. now. I would just get better and be ready to roll when practice starts. And you got all summer to work on that stuff, too. Can still go through the middle reps. He's yeah. got all that time in the film room with Coach Denbrock and Coach Caduli. Right. right. Remember, they are not practicing yet. They're doing their own workouts yep. and they're doing – you know, lifting and conditioning and that kind of stuff. So that's what he's potentially missing. All right, so Eric, with Riley Leonard undergoing surgery, what does this mean for the other quarterbacks on the depth chart? Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, C.J. Carr, does this help them in any shape or form? I don't know from the standpoint of – does this like help them move up the depth chart? I think it reemphasizes to them that they're one injury away from moving up the depth chart. If he, if Ryan Leonard ends up being the number one, it shows you. I mean, Duke played a good portion of its season with its number three quarterback yeah. this year. So, um, so if I'm the number three guy, I'm thinking, okay, well that could be me. And then you have situation like last year where Sam Hartman you know, didn't come out of the game very often unless it was for mop-up time or opt-out time. 
And so um, I think that's where it would uh, affect them. But, you know, I had a question in my live chat today, and I, I thought that was it. it's interesting because this isn't just one versus two. This is one versus two versus three versus four. I mean, how often has any team had a quarterback that's number four as good as C.J. Carr walking in the door? You know, there's years where C.J. Carr would have been number one walking in the door. I mean, it's think true. about that yeah. some years. Certainly. Two I years think, ago? Maybe two years ago. And you think about some of those early Brian Kelly years, and you say, wow, Brian Kelly would have killed to have a guy like that walking in. For more on the Leonard surgery, check out InsideIndieSports.com. Blue and Gold Illustrated right now breaking down all of Riley Leonard's starts at Duke University. Going through that process is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Is there something in the early portion of his career as the starting quarterback at Duke that has caught your attention that could be very important for his career at the University of Notre Dame? Yeah, I'll definitely start it with a little disclaimer and saying that I believe right now, and I want to give credit to my colleague, Jack Sobel as well, who's kind of been tag teaming this with me and helping me. Last year, I just did all of Sam Hartman's 2022 starts, I guess that would have been this, this season before he came to Notre Dame. So that was just like 12 or 13 games. And this year, it's 21 games that Riley Leonard started at Duke. So we split that kind of 11 and 10. Uh, so it's a good chunk of, of workload for both of us. And I think we've kind of been noticing the same things, uh, at least early in his career. Uh, again, we're about halfway through the 2022 season right now, so we haven't even gotten to 2023 film. But um, I, that, a lot of people would say that was Riley Leonard's best year, 2022. It's a year that uh, he accounted for all of those yards and all of those touchdowns, stayed healthy the whole way through. And I've kind of seen some concerning things. I'll start with those. Uh, he's got some happy feet, and it leads to some errant passes. So I think the knock on him when you ask NFL draft analysts, because that's his ultimate goal, and at his size and his skill set, he could get there. Um, you know, as soon as after this one year at Notre Dame, go off to the NFL draft uh, a year from now, his happy feet leads to some accuracy issues. And, and those are the things that those scouts will tell you that, uh, he's got a real problem with throwing the ball consistently where he wants to throw it. And then coupled with that, sometimes I've seen him just not throw the ball where it needs to be thrown. I've seen some wide open receivers and that's kind of PTSD in the minds of Notre Dame fans, because we just went through a season here in South Bend where Sam Hartman probably didn't throw the ball where he needed to at times. And obviously the wide receivers also weren't getting open at times. It was just a mess all around on that front, but you want to get a quarterback in the saddle who knows where he's going with the ball can throw it accurately precisely it's the decision making i mean i go back to what marcus freeman says all all the time even tommy reese when he was the offensive coordinator for this program uh for about a handful of years before he went off to alabama he always said decision making and, and i'll even bring up the late great mike leach uh, one of the first things that we asked him when i was a beat writer at mississippi state what are you looking for in a quarterback because yeah, I'm talking about Mississippi State. This is a program that has had Dak Prescott, and obviously he's a really good quarterback, has done some really good things with the Dallas Cowboys even. But outside of that, it's, it's not a program that's known for quarterback play. So we asked Mike Leach, Mike Leach, what are you looking for in a quarterback? And one of the first things that he said, probably the first thing that he said, was decision-making. So 
as we continue this Riley Leonard series, I want to see some better decision-making. I expect to see some better decision-making, but I also, Darren, think that it's something that he's going to have to develop in spring ball and fall camp and even into the early part of next year is just knowing where to go with the football and getting it there accurately, precisely, on time, all of those different things. That, that's the challenge for Mike Denbrock in developing this quarterback. That's really good analysis there. And I go back to when Riley Leonard picked Notre Dame, the first thing that I said, this is a kid that has the ability to make all the throws. He can make them all, but it's the consistency that separates him from other players. And like I said at the time, if he consistently made all the throws, he'd be in the NFL draft this year. So it's not like he's got a long way to go, but you mentioned his footwork is something that led to errant throws. I mean, that is extremely correctable and I really like the coaching staff in place here to help him to get to a better level of consistency yeah absolutely and that's Denbrock who I just mentioned and it's also Gino Gadulli who I think is going to be much more comfortable in his role in his second year at Notre Dame like I said there was just a confluence of circumstances with this Notre Dame offense last year that didn't really allow anybody players and coaches to reach their full potential. And I'll, I'll even put Jared Parker in on that because I think he was a scapegoat for a lot of the things that we saw last year. And, and he deserves a lot of the blame because he was the guy overseeing the entire operation. But there was just so many different things that kind of led to what we saw last year. But this year, you have an experienced guy in Denbrock to oversee everything. Uh, you have Leonard, who, like I said, has made 21 starts. And I get it. Sam Hartman was a 45-game starter coming in. But – I think for some reason the transition of Leonard from the Duke offense to the Notre Dame offense might be a little bit easier than Hartman from Wake Forest to the Notre Dame offense just because, you know, the, the slow mesh isn't a thing that Riley Leonard had to deal with at Duke, and he, he is that pro-style quarterback. We've mentioned the NFL draft a couple of times on here already. He is bound for that at some point. We don't know if Sam Hartman's name is going to get called at all. He might be an undrafted free agent. Whenever Ronnie Leonard does decide to go, somebody's going to take a chance on him, fourth, fifth, sixth round. And if he plays really well this year, Darren, it could be second, third round. Uh, who knows? Maybe he lights the world on fire, and we're talking about Riley Leonard as a first-rounder. That's the kind of potential that he has. So I think he's in the right situation here. I think Gino Guduli's in the right situation. Mike Denbrock, the re receivers that Notre Dame has brought in. It could be just a cleaner overall unit in 2024. If he's taken in the first round, that means Notre Dame is playing deep into January. I mean, with the Absolutely. roster they have, if you get that type of quarterback play, Tyler, this football team is set up for some great success. I know things have to fall into place along the offensive line. You still have to build chemistry between Leonard and the wide receiver. So it's not like this is fantasy football. You just write them on a piece of paper and it's all magically going to work because it didn't last year. But with mm -hmm. the parts in place and you have a quarterback playing at a higher level, to me, this has the makings of an exciting season, especially with the great coordinators you have now in place on both sides of the football. You don't feel like you're going to get beat schematically on the offensive side of the football this year. Yeah, I totally agree. And I have an article that went up, blueandgold.com, today, and it will be in the next edition of our Blue and Gold Illustrated magazine that's coming out in a few weeks. That's one of my biggest storylines. I did five storylines for Notre Dame football in 2024. Uh, number one is just can it all come together for Marcus Freeman? The, and I'm talking about in his first year, it was just the questionable losses. Like you can't lose to Marshall. You can't lose to Stanford. Last year it was not showing up on the road. And specifically to your point, the offense, 
not showing up on the road. Like this year, Darren, I don't think Notre Dame should have those issues. You look at the schedule, Notre Dame's probably going to take care of business against all the teams that it should beat handily on the schedule, just like it did last year. And then you look at the road games. I mean, Texas a and is going to be difficult in week one, but I expect and do think Notre Dame can win that game. And then I don't really see any other games on the schedule where I'm like, oh, no, the, the offense is going to have a real t- tough time showing up there. Frankly, I didn't think Louisville would be like that, but it was. I did pick Clemson to beat Notre Dame, but that's just because we knew what Notre Dame was not showing up offensively against Ohio State and then not showing up against Louisville. My whole point is, here, Darren, is the potential for this, this team, it feels greater than last year because I look at the way everything sets up, and I think Notre Dame can, can really compete and or win all of these games. Like 11-1, and one, I thought last year was a pipe dream, even with Sam Hartman, and that turned out to be the case. It was a 9-3 and three football team. If you told me that Notre Dame could go 11-1 and one in 2024, I, I would actually start believing it. But it all has to come together. Like I said, Marcus Freeman has to avoid some of the mistakes that he's made, and then the offense has to play a lot better too. But if, if you told me that the defense ne- this year is going to play as well as it did in 2023, and then the offense starts clicking, starting with the quarterback and everything funneling out around that, then, then oh, yeah, I mean, this, this team can make a 12-team playoff and then make some noise in that playoff. I agree with everything you said. I'm going to add one more thing. Yesterday, watching the Lions game was a subtle reminder that game management can cost you. The Lions didn't lose because of Dan Campbell's game management. There were other things that happened as well, but you think about the Duke game last year, the Irish wanted to settle for the field goal and estimate should have taken a knee inside the five yard line. And then the Louisville game going forward on fourth down with 10 minutes to go and, and burning a timeout at a weird spot. Those type of things can derail all the other great things we're talking about. And this is easily fixed. It comes with experience. But as I was watching the Lions game, I thought about the Duke game. I thought about the Louisville game. I thought about 10 men on the field against Ohio State. There are things that can happen out of the players' control that sometimes can halt some great momentum. Mm -hmm. And you know what I would say to that, Darren, is thank God Marcus Freeman has uh, I, I don't know Mike Denbrock's age off the top of my head, but it, is he around 60 years old? Like, he's been doing this for a yes. long time. And he's, quite frankly, he's worked with Brian Kelly, who's also around 60 years old, for a long time. And, and that experience from both of those guys, both of those guys being in each other's ears for so long, that builds up some scar tissue, both good and bad. Sure. Right? There's good things that have happened to those guys. There's bad things that have happened to those guys. They've learned from all of that. They've learned much more than Marcus Freeman has. And I think in some of those situations, which, by the way, uh, all of them that you described were on the offensive side of the ball because that's – and Dan Campbell last night, that's where you're making those types of clock management decisions, go-for-it decisions, those types of things. I think it helps tremendously that Mike Denbrock is on the headset to face those types of situations. You can get more from Tyler Horka at blueandgold.com. Our sports wagering segment, We Going to Sizzler, wraps up Budweiser's weekday sports beat coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WS. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 